This is a free download from Delancey Elim Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elim Church building at LeBanks St. Samson in the Channel Islands of Guernsey. To contact us to find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelim.co.uk. Former Rhodesia, now Zimbabwe, Elim missionaries had established a missions base against the backdrop of civil war. By June 1978, they had moved the outstanding secondary school and much-needed medical clinic to the Vumba region near the Mozambique border. They were serving joyfully and fruitfully in the name of Christ. This remote mission station was about to become the scene of Elim's darkest hour. Vumba is a, a mountainous region in the south of the country, near Umtali. The massacre happened at the Emmanuel School in the Vumba, which is 13 miles from Umtali. Africa at that time was experiencing a revolution and it became almost a civil war between the blacks and the whites and between the terrorists and the security forces. They started a new school year in September 1977. It was approaching the end of the third term. On the evening of that, of Friday the 27th, a group of gunmen came in. There were probably 30 of them to 40 of them and a leader. They then rounded up the missionaries who were on site. There were nine adults uh, six of them married couples, three of them single, and four children. The children were young, they were not at school. They were taken out of their home and brought to a part of the site which was surrounded by trees. They were then murdered uh, very brutally. Later on, after it was all over, a group of uh, terrorists were captured and in one of the baggages that they looked at, they found the diary of a, a man who had been present and we were told that they were uh, murdered very, very brutally. They did rape some of the women. There was evidence of that. Philip remonstrated with them and said uh, as he tried to free his hand he said to them look I've come here to preach the gospel I've come here I'm not a politician you've got guns we haven't got guns you're acting as cowards killing defenseless people at that moment Wendy White who must have been close to him shouted to him don't worry Philip they can't kill the soul and then, um, virtually, it was over. The mother of the little three-month-old baby was lying with her hand stretched out to the child. There was quite a, a reaction 
and questioning for a while as to why it had happened and how it had happened. However, it had a positive effect also on the movement. In the five months after the event, the number of mission people who applied for missionary service in Elam were more than the five previous years put together. If you have martyrs in your background, that shows a, a passion which is far greater than any other. From day one of Elam Missions and through the mountains and valleys of life's journey, um, through good and bad of its, all of its history, Elam Missions has been and still is, very simply put, would be to take the gospel into the whole world in the power of the Spirit. One of the main important reasons for Elam having a day set aside annually for missions is so that we can honour these people who um, gave up their lives for the cause, for the gospel. And um, watching that little video clip is quite difficult, um, but we don't want to forget those people. They're in our history, they're part of Elam, they were part of our family, and um, they were doing missions, they were preaching the gospel, and uh, they lost their lives, they laid down their lives for Christ. And of course, around the world today, we are all aware that people are doing that all the time. People are laying down their lives for the gospel message. People are being persecuted for the faith. Um, and we might not ever suffer to that extent over here in Guernsey, um, but I do want us to, in honour of them, reflect on what it means for us here to give of our everything and to give of our all. No, it might not be the case that we'll be required to lay down our lives. It might be, but maybe not. But in our everyday lives, we also have a challenge, and that challenge is will we give everything? In, in everything that we do, in, in every area or every sphere that we find ourselves in, will we give our all for Christ? Will we give everything? It was great to be singing the worship today that Carol had put together of just the songs where, you know, God, I am going to give you my all. I'll surrender all to you. And today I want to speak a little bit about everything, giving our all to Christ. Many people nearly get there in life, but sometimes fall short of it. I ask myself that same question. Will I give everything? Sometimes I find it easier than at other times. Sometimes I actually really struggle to give everything for the gospel. But we're called to do it in Matthew 7. It says, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. In everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. In the parable of the pearl in Matthew, when he found one of, the great, one of great value, he went away, he sold everything he had and bought it because it was so valuable. We have such a valuable message we have Christ. Will we give everything? The parable of the unmerciful servant in Matthew again. 
At this, the servant fell on his knees and begged, be patient with me and I will pay back everything. And then Peter answers Jesus, we have left everything to follow you. And that is the call of the gospel message. That is the call of Christ for us, to lay down our lives, to lay down our ambitions, to lay down our own plans and ideas and pick up Jesus's. We can look at so many people, and the, the Vumba story just tells us of our own Ely missionaries who gave their life, but there are lots and lots of stories and people, of martyrs of the faith that we could look at. One of the key predecessors to the Protestant movement in the 16th century, you may know of a priest called John Huss, and he was in prison, and he was in chains in prison just before he was going to be burnt at the stake. And he said this, well, he wrote this, Without you, I cannot do anything. Grant me a ready spirit, a fearless heart, a right faith, a firm hope, and a perfect love, that for your sake I may lay down my life with patience and joy. I wonder what was going through his mind at that moment of writing that, knowing that he was going to lose his life. And we have a great model in Jesus, don't we? Because Jesus gave it all for us. He laid down his life for us. And he's never asked us to do something that he himself hasn't done already. If you have your Bibles with you, you could turn to Luke 13. I'm just going to read this short passage from verse 31 to 33. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. And he said to them, Go and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I finish my course. Nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem." O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. Behold, your house is forsaken, and I tell you, you will not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I want us just to look really quickly um, at a few different points thinking about this idea of giving everything. You see, one of the problems with thinking about giving our all is sometimes we get bound up and caught up in religion and a performance-based religion. But a performance-based religion will not lead to us giving our everything. It talks about the Pharisees coming here in verse 31. There were around about 6,000 Pharisees, some working in full-time in that ministry. Some professional students, others had different jobs. And they believed in the Old Testament. They believed in the explanation of the Old Testament and they firmly believed in the application of it. Now, we are always aware, aren't we, very much so, of the Ten Commandments that sit in the Torah in, in Judaism in the Old Testament. But actually, they're just part of 613 other commandments that we will find in Scripture. And they would obey those commandments and follow those to the letter And they would believe that by following all those rules and those regulations, that's what would matter. That's what would make them good. 
So, for example, when it says to obey the Sabbath rule, where you shouldn't work on the Sabbath, um, a tailor couldn't even carry a needle in his jacket on the evening before the Sabbath, in case it was still in his pocket when the Sabbath came. I mean, it's quite crazy. Healing wasn't allowed, okay, on the Sabbath. That was, that was considered as work. There's debates between women who wear um, a hair clip in their hair. Is it being worn or is it being carried? If it's being carried, it's a burden, so it's work. If it's being worn, it's different. Or men, they might wear hair clips, I don't know. So all these rules and regulations and the Pharisees were very bound up in following things to the letter and getting it just spot on. But of course, uh, they could never find enough things to do to satisfy the thought that God was pleased? How do we really make God pleased with us? If by living a good life we're trying to satisfy ourselves by others, God, it's never going to be enough. If we're just trying to tick boxes. If we have a, a kind of religion that says, I obey, therefore God accepts me, we'll struggle with giving our all and giving our everything to that kind of idea. That as long as I obey, then God accepts me. When actually the gospel message is, I'm accepted by God. I'm accepted by God through Christ. And therefore, it causes me to want to obey. It causes me to want to follow Jesus. The Pharisees were more interested in the performance of works to get to God than really discovering what it was to be in a relationship with God. It was kind of a legalistic way of looking at things. And the problem is is that there's never enough good works. There's never enough we can do to feel that we've done enough. And performance won't lead to everything. But understanding, understanding that we're accepted in Christ, in Jesus, and that he loves us, that will drive us to the place of wanting to give our everything. It's about the relationship we have. I think it's hard sometimes for us to get into that mindset, to get our heads around um, being accepted without having to do great things all the time and do great works because we live in a culture which is very kind of performance-driven. So if we perform well, we'll pass. Um, you know, if we perform well, you know, we might get a promotion at work. If if we perform well or if we do what we should, then people might be more accepting of us. We do live in a world that sometimes is so kind of like telling us that it matters, the performance matters. So we have to shift our mindset a little bit when it comes to God because, you see, God loves us unconditionally and he accepts us through the blood of Christ and we're forgiven. It's hard to see unconditional love in our world We don't often see it. I guess the closest we'll see it is maybe parent-child relationship where you keep loving no matter what your child does. You keep loving them. I suppose that's the greatest picture. But even that doesn't come close to the way that Jesus loves us. That laying down of his life for us. That unconditional acceptance. And if we are living completely in a a religion kind of I've got to tick the boxes, performance-based mentality well, then we'll probably get fed up with it because we'll never really hit the mark. We'll never really achieve what we think we should achieve. We get despondent and discouraged. But when we really embrace and know that we are loved and accepted, 
in Christ, that causes me to want to move towards him. It causes me to want to do the right thing, to obey and follow. Knowing and standing in that acceptance will lead to everything. Sometimes maybe another point is that the fear gets in the way of giving everything. The fear of losing something maybe opposes the giving of all that we have. You see, in this passage, they come along and they say to Jesus, Herod wants to kill you. What does Jesus do? Jesus just turns around and says, you go and tell that fox. Okay, he's not fussed. He's not fazed by it. Jesus isn't afraid. We can be fearful of a lot of things, can't we? I wonder what you were afraid of when you were young. Maybe you're still afraid of that as a child. I used to be afraid of the dark. I used to be afraid of fireworks. Um, I used to be afraid of public speaking. And I used to be afraid of Brussels sprouts. Those are my fears as a child, okay? And basically, I'm pleased to announce that I don't have those fears anymore. Well, well, actually, that's a lie. I do still have a fear of Brussels sprouts. I will not eat a Brussels sprout. Well, unless I really had to. But the other stuff I've managed to conquer. But we do have fears. And today, maybe, I, I still have fears, but they've shifted slightly. They're not so easy to define as that, I don't think. And sometimes I don't even know I've got a fear until I'm in a situation or a circumstance or something comes my way and then I suddenly realise I'm actually quite scared here. I'm a bit afraid of this. Sometimes they're not as as straightforward. They're more complex, my fears. I have one particular fear that crops up every now and again. And it uh, raised its ugly head the other day. And I'm not sure if you've ever had this experience, okay? Um, It might just be me. But um, there's that dreaded moment sometimes when you enter into a shop, okay? You enter into a shop and, and it's just you and the shop assistant in the shop. It's empty, okay? It's just you and the shop assistant. And you know that the moment you've stepped in, you really shouldn't be in there. I don't know if you've had that feeling where you step into the shop and you think, no, this isn't, this, I shouldn't be here. This isn't my type of shop. But you're a little bit like, well, you can't just turn around and walk out. So you kind of have to shift yourself around the shop and look interested. Has anyone else had that? No. Okay, so you go in. It's that kind of experience when you look at a price tag and it's got sale written on it, but it's still £180, you know. It, or, or, or even worse, you go in, there's no price tags. So, you know, if you, if you have to check, you can't afford to be in this shop. It, you know, those sort of moments. Um, I hate those sort of moments. Well, I walked into a shop the other day and uh, it wasn't a clothes shop, but... Because of my fear of looking stupid, because of my fear of being embarrassed, I ended up buying a £15 bottle of hair volumizer, okay, Um, which was practically the size of a Yakult pot, I think, all right? Now, some of you might be thinking, I don't usually spend £15 on hairspray, okay? Some of you might, you might be thinking, oh, that's a bargain, I don't know, all right? But for fear of... You know, I engaged in this conversation with this woman and fear of looking stupid and walking away, I ended up buying this hair volumizer, which I didn't want. I hadn't even gone in there for it. Didn't want it. I probably do need it, but I don't know. Um, but it's not going to last very long, okay? And that fear of just going, you know what, I don't want to look stupid here and, and, and you know, you've given up all your time to show me all these things that I didn't even want. I'm, I feel really bad for you. I'm going to buy it. That was my crisis moment. I can't believe I did it, but I did. But you know what, well, that's, that's just small. But I do have that fear sometimes in, in other ways of what people think of me. Or if I do this, what are people going to say? Um, fear maybe or embarrassment 
of being humiliated or those sorts of things. Those sort of fears crop up in my life from time to time. And sometimes I know that they stop me from doing what I need to do. They stop me from just going that extra way. They stop me from giving my everything because I worry. I don't know what you fear right now. Maybe it's the fear of not having enough. Maybe it's the fear of not experiencing everything there is to experience or the fear of being hurt or the fear of being left alone. Sometimes we fear being hurt by people. So, well, you know, I'll I'll step back. I won't do anything. And fear will call us to not give everything. Fear will put a barrier and stop us from giving everything to Jesus. Jesus is heading for his death at this time, but he was committed to fulfilling his plan and his destiny. He wasn't afraid. He speaks of Herod as the fox, sly and crafty. Watch out for those little foxes. He wasn't afraid. Now, I'm not saying we're Jesus. We're not. And we're going to have fear. And we might be able, we may have to live with that fear. It might remain. But we've got to try and not let it stop us from giving everything. But in the face of fear, confront it and keep going. And don't let it be a little fox that will, um, you know, cause us not to give everything to Christ. Fear will always try to stop us. But if we want to live an everything type of life, then we're required to try and overcome this. And the beauty of it is, is that we're not alone. You see, we could be more scared if we were on our own in this journey of life. But we're not. You see, Christ promises to be with us. Christ promises never to leave us or forsake us. He says, I'm going to journey with you. I walk with you. And even when you are unfaithful to me, even when you turn your back on me, I will always be faithful to you. I can't contradict my nature. I am good to you. I love you. I walk with you. And I am for you, not against you. So that makes us reassured that in our worry to step out, in our worry to encourage, in our worry to tell people about Christ, or whatever it might be, in our fears, Jesus is there. He's the one that will be with us and guide us and help us to give our everything. Giving our everything is going to require persistence. Prior to giving everything, we need to persist. It says in verse 32, 33, I'm going to keep on going. It kind of, Jesus, I'm going to keep going. I wonder if we can stand, you know, firm and keep going and reach our goal. Jesus lived his life, didn't he, with the goal in mind, the purpose. I wish I knew more about Jesus' life before when he was younger and growing up. I wish I knew more about what he was like then. We get a glimpse, but I can imagine that all the time he's thinking, I've got a purpose, I've got a goal, I've got a destiny, and I'm moving towards that. Do we keep that in, in, our, in our minds? Do we keep that in sight, the purpose of why we're really here? Or do we get trapped up by everything else? I wonder what it was that caused Moses to give up and, and ask God to, to end his life. I wonder what it was for Jonah who wanted to curl up and die after seeing that wonderful revival in Nineveh or Elijah that went into that cave in self-pity, full of discouragement. People who achieve great things still get discouraged and struggle and battle with that. Paul himself in 2 Corinthians said, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. Now, Paul isn't specific about the details here, 
We don't really know why he was despairing so much. But he wanted to let the Corinthians know that he'd suffered, but he'd overcome. He'd gone through struggle, but he'd overcome. And our determination will silence the voice of discouragement and it will enable us to keep going for Christ. How can discouragement beat us when we are determined in our purpose for life? Philippians says, for for to me to live is Christ, to die is gain. How can discouragement beat us when we're determined in our service? Joshua says, choose for yourself this day whom you'll serve. For me, as for me and my household, I will serve the Lord. How can discouragement beat me when I'm determined in my status as a Christian, knowing who we are? You know, John's been talking about our identity. Romans 8 says, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. How can discouragement get to us when we stand firm in the promises of the word? And that Christ has given. You know, I've, I'm sure we've all, we could all share discouragement and disappointment in our life. And I've been through different things in my life. One that um, happened when I was 17 was failing my driving test. I was really discouraged and disappoint, disappointed about failing my driving test twice. Um, and that's on Guernsey Roads. But hey-ho. Um, but I, I did persevere. I persisted. And I managed to pass eventually. So, tick. However... I did give up on something. Okay, ever since I passed my test, I've never done a parallel park. And I, I failed on my, my test because of parallel parking, okay? I can't parallel park. Um, well, I can't yet parallel park. Um, I gave up on that. So, it's not very convenient when you live in town and you have to park on your road, and it happens to be that your road right next to where you live you know, demands parallel parking. So you will see me driving around the block, going past spaces that demand me to parallel park and, you know, parking 10 minutes away, walking to my house just so I can drive into a space. It's ridiculous, I know, okay? But I suppose if I did practice and I did persist, I could actually um, master the art of parallel parking one day. But I just can't face it right now in my life. But that's just something stupid. But, you know, we all have faced really serious disappointments and discouragement at times. Big things in our life, knockbacks in our life that cause us to stop, that cause us to go, you know what, I'm not sure I can do this anymore, this Christian stuff, that stop us from giving our everything because we've just had a knock here, a knock there, discouragement. Maybe someone said something, done something. I love this code of persistence by Herman Sherman. It says this, I will never give up so long as I know I'm right. I will believe that all things will work out for me if I hang on until the end. I will be courageous and undismayed in the face of odds. I will not permit anyone to intimidate me or deter me from my goals. I will fight to overcome all physical handicaps and setbacks. I will try again, again and yet again to accomplish what I desire. I will take new faith and resolution from the knowledge that all successful men and women have had to fight defeat and suffering. I will never surrender to discouragement or despair, no matter what seeming obstacles may confront me. You see, it's never too late for us to be determined again. It's never too late for me to go, right, I'm going to master the art of parallel parking. Just because I didn't then doesn't mean I can't now. We may have experienced failure. We may have been overwhelmed by whatever's hit us in life, discouragement or disappointment. And we may have quit from God. I mean, we can be sat here today and departed from God. We can be coming to all the right things 
but still not be near God. And we may have given up, but today we can receive a touch from God. We can be determined again and persist again to give our everything. When you think it's all over, God comes in and says, you know what, I haven't even begun yet. Let's start again. God came to Jonah. He came to Jonah's situation. He brought understanding for him. He came to Moses and he challenged Moses with the question, is the Lord's arm too, arm too short? Meaning, Moses, have faith in me. Watch this space. He came to Elijah. He called him out of the cave and into the place of the still, small voice of God and he brought balance back into his life. It's never too late for us. It's never too late to say, today, today I choose to serve God again. Today I give my all again. Today I give everything again. Everything to other people. Finally, Jesus' everything was everything. It really was his everything. In verse 33 it shows, you know, he came to give his life for us. Jesus himself had nowhere to lay his head He roams around as a wandering rabbi from village to village, calling people, long days, dusty roads, dependent on other people's hospitality, but he gave his all right up until the point of his death. And I know it's hard for us because we are natural survivors. We are natural controllers of our lives. We want to be in control. We like the self-rule. We like to make our own decisions. But actually, if we're going to give our everything, it's a laying down of our life for Christ. And it's the only way. In Acts 1.8 it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. See, God calls us to give our everything wherever we are. We can be wherever we are, in our situations here in Guernsey, across the seas, whatever it is. One day we're going to meet folks in heaven who've given everything. We'll meet Jesus. We'll meet the Elam missionaries who gave up their lives, will meet the present-day martyrs of the faith. And I wonder what they'll say to us. Maybe it's tough down there on earth, isn't it? It was tough. It's hard to give everything, but we're really grateful we did. How was it for you? And I wonder what our response will be when we speak to them. Let us not worry about performance Christianity. Performance Christianity is not going to get us to give everything. It's a revelation of knowing that we are loved and we are accepted in Christ. And it's not about ticking boxes. Don't let us get consumed by fear. Let fear not stop us from giving our all. But trusting in God, that song we sang about trusting without borders. Let us walk upon the waters and give our all. Don't let us give up, but instead be persistent. Be determined again to give everything. Don't let us fall short of that great commission that we have in Christ. I think everything looks a lot like um, Elam missions. Pray, give and go. Praying in all things at all times. That's what we're called to do. I think we, I, I know for myself, I just do not understand prayer fully. I just... I think we really miss out on some so much with prayer because we see it sometimes as this, it can be hard work and seeing a, presenting a list of requests to God. God doesn't need that. God doesn't need our prayers. Prayer is a communication. Praying at all times, communicating with God at all times, coming here to communicate with God, spending time on our own, communicating with God. Why? Because it helps us. Because it builds us up. 
everything looks like that. Everything looks like giving. Giving of ourselves to others. Giving of our love. Giving of our graciousness. Giving of our forgiveness. Giving of our acceptance. Giving of our mercy. Giving of our support, our encouragement. Giving our praise. Giving our skills. Giving our time. Giving our help. Giving our finances, our possessions. Giving everything that we have for the cause of Christ. That's everything. And going. Going to other people. Being salt and light. Reflecting the beauty of Christ. Advertising the living water that we have in Christ. It's great that Emily is going overseas. It's great that Amanda is uh, overseas. And they're going for the gospel. But we can be in those different parts of the world as well, in our support of them. It's like we're going as well. And we can go into our places of work or our home lives and take the gospel message. People need to see us. They need to hear us. We can do these things. I'm going to invite the worship group to come back. I'm going to sing one final song. And we can practically today give of our everything. I've spoken about the fact that there's an offering at the back that you can give into church planting if you want to. Do that. It's over there. But there's one more thing I just want to share with you, and it's this. You found one of these on your feet as you came in today. And this is an initiative by Elam Missions, and it's called Pound by Pound. It's really simple. It's really straightforward. It's kind of replacing the mission globes, really. The mission globes are still carrying on, and if you've got a mission globe filled, please bring it in and keep doing that. That's great. But this is an easy way to give into Elam Missions on a regular basis, and it simply is giving a pound a week. That's all. A pound a week to Elam Missions, and the money um, that is raised will go to all different things, all different projects and, and initiatives that they're doing around the world. And um, I've made it really simple that if you want to be a part of this today, you don't even need to go and put it in the envelope and post it. You can just pop it in to the box at the back. You can fill it in, straightforward, and pop it in there, and I'll do the rest. I'll send them off um, for you. It's simple. A pound isn't much. Okay, it's not much, but we can do that. And we can partner with Elam Missions and give that. So if you think that's something that you can do today, then can I encourage you to fill one of these in and pop it in the box for me? It's a great way. It's a great start to us giving everything. It's not much, actually, but it's part of it. And I know that we give to lots of other things. Um, and you may already have stuff that you give into. But we are Elam. And we're a part of the Elam family, and it would be great to think that we could give into this. I know the vision for it is that if every member in Elam gave to this, then Elam Missions would just have so much finance that they could use to do incredible, amazing things. So if this is something you think that you could be a part of, then please, I'd encourage you to do that. We're going to sing a song now, and it's called I Surrender All, and it's a very well-known song. And the reason why I picked it is this, because the man who wrote this, he, for five years he struggled in knowing what to do um, about surrendering all. He was a teacher, but he felt he was being called to be an evangelist in the ministry. And for five years he was grappling with this, until eventually he did. He went to be an evangelist. And he penned this song, I Surrender All. And um, his ministry took him to the US, England, Scotland, all over. But perhaps the most influence that he had was on the young evangelist Billy Graham. 
And Billy Graham talks about this hymn as such an influence on his early ministry. An amazing thing. So we're going to sing this song, All to Jesus I Surrender, All to Him I Freely Give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. I surrender all, all to thee, my blessed saviour. I surrender all. Thank you. You are listening to a free download from Delancey Elam Church. My main work is uh, basically just guiding people through the application process. And so they give in all their forms to me. It's quite a long process. And then they have an interview with me before they get accepted to come here as a student. And then um, I'll meet them at the airport, greet them, bring them to the base. And, yeah, and then that repeats at every school, basically. I just guide them through it and prepare their hearts and their minds for coming here and explain what they'll be doing here and stuff. Thanks. Excellent stuff. That's, that's brilliant. Now, I know lots of us kind of following you on your blog and on Facebook, etc. Um, so we've seen a few pics and different things you're up to. Um, could you tell us maybe something that is just since you've been out there, um, something that's been a, like a real highlight for you so far in, in your time out there. Is there one yeah. particular thing? Um, it's hard to think of one, just one thing. I think the main thing is just the fact that I'm in like a Christian environment and community all the time, like 24 seven. Um, and the staff here, they're basically like family. They're, um, we all got on really well. We've always got each other's backs. We're constantly praying for each other. And it's just a really good environment to be in, really healthy, really stable. And I think just experiencing that has been really cool because although I grew up in, like, Christian family and stuff, I've never had, like, all my friends as Christians or anything like that. So it's a really cool environment to be in. And just every day you're seeing something new or something awesome that God's doing. So it's really cool. That's amazing. Brilliant. And on, on the other side, is there something that you've come across um, at the moment, that's maybe been a bit of a struggle or a bit of a difficulty um, for you since you've been out there that perhaps we could in a moment pray into as well? Um, I think a big thing here is that you realize how real spiritual warfare is and that we are being attacked like by the enemy all the time. Um, so since I've been here, I've noticed that even if just one of our staff members is either sick or going through a hard time, everyone will kind of get attacked in some way or another. Um, whether that be like anxiety, night terrors, um, sickness. And so it's kind of like we're all in this together, but it's definitely a big thing here. I think it's because what God's doing here is just awesome and obviously Satan hates it. So, <laughs> yeah, so I think spiritual warfare is just a yeah. huge yeah. thing that seems so real here and you can like feel it, you feel the warfare. And especially with the island here, the strongholds here are drugs and alcohol. So, um, that's probably got a big effect on it as well. Yeah, and those things obviously have a massive knock-on effect on your team as well if, if people are getting ill and sick and those sorts of things. We'll pray for that in a moment. Um, I just wonder whether there's anything else that you've got up-and-coming projects or events um, mm-hmm. that are in the pipeline that we could think about as well and pray about. Yeah, um, so the July school, so the April school, they just left for outreach yesterday, so they've gone to Southeast Asia. Um, so they'll be there for seven weeks now, and then... Next Tuesday, the July school arrives, the July Discipleship Training School students. Um, so that will be my first time as official registrar meeting them at the airport um, and just guiding them through all that. So that would be a cool thing to pray for. And also in the July school, I've actually been given the awesome leadership opportunity to guide to lead the um, – we have every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday we have staff ladies meetings in the morning. 
and I've been asked to head this up for the season, which is really exciting because I get to basically take it wherever I want to take it and just like do whatever I want to do with it. So um, I've got a plan for that for like different teams each week and like devotions and things. But yeah, prayer for that would definitely be awesome because I'm leading that up. So. That's, that, sounds, yeah. that sounds really exciting, and, and, and yeah, absolutely, we will do. We'll pray into that. Um, it's amazing that you're doing all that stuff. You sound really, really busy. Um, it, I, and I'm going to ask Andy in a moment to come and pray. What about um, you? You've mentioned about drugs and, and alcohol on the on the island. Is there any other sort of needs of the country that we could? Uh, that, that, do you think the main thing? I think those are probably the main things. Um, it's a really kind of like laid back culture here. Everything's just really laid back and it's just the legions just kinda of go over the flow and like island time and all that. So um yeah, I think the biggest things are just drugs and alcohol. It's definitely hit our base sometimes as well. Like we had in the January school we actually had two students who got sent home because they fell into the temptations of it more than one time. Um and so yeah, it's just a big thing here on our school and how it affects the students as well as the community around us. Yeah, so being so. protection of, of you, you guys as well uh, on that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Excellent. Amanda, it's, it's really great to see you and looking so well and, and to be able to actually make contact with you and hear you, which is great. Um, Andy, I'm <laughs> going to ask Andy to, to pray for you, okay? Awesome. Yeah, okay. Thank you. Hi, Amanda. It's really lovely. Uh, to be able to uh, see you and pray. It's, uh, you're up there and I'm, I'm speaking to you, to you there. Um, everybody, it's, it's lovely to pray, so let's come and let's join in these prayers as Amanda's asked in the Lord's name. Lord, we really do thank you for the wonderful yeah. way that you are working in Amanda's life. It's lovely to see her, see her so joyful, even at five o'clock in the morning. Lord, we just pray about what she has shared for this alcohol and drug abuse, Lord, on the island. And we just pray that you will protect all of them, Lord, the culture, Lord, and their outreach. Lord, not only to protect them, but Lord, give them the ways of reaching out to the people. Lord, sharing you with them and changing their lives. Lord, we pray for Amanda, that Lord, you will bless her. Lord, as she has got this role, both as registrar and leading the ladies' fellowships, we pray that you will really anoint her that she will feel your hand about her. Lord, she will feel your, your arms round her shoulders, Lord, and feel your spirit giving her the words that she is to share. Lord, empower her. And Lord, we pray, Lord, for each of those involved in YWAM, Lord, the students, especially those coming on, on Tuesday, that, Lord, you will protect them, that you will guide them, and you will bless them. On their behalf, Lord, we would put on your whole armour, your helmet of salvation, your breastplate of righteousness. 
your belt of truth, the footwear of the readiness of the gospel, the shield of faith, and the sword of the Spirit. And about them we would put your hedge of protection and your blood. Lord, bless them mightily, we pray. And Amanda, we would say to you, a number of us pray for you each and every day. And it is a great privilege to do that. So bless you in the Lord's name. Amen. Thanks, Nancy. Um, Amanda, how well can you see us? Not very well. I well, I can, so I can figure out head. I think we need to gather around this way and, and give her yeah. a proper good wave. So can we gather in around the camera over there? Look. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's very close to the camera. <laughs> Let's all scooch in. Um, <laughs> Amanda, um, look, we really, really love you and we really are praying a blessing upon you. And we thank you for contacting with us today. We miss you lots. Um, and um, yeah. hopefully we can do this again soon sometime and, and we love getting your updates your blog and everything so please continue to do that um, is there yeah. anything else you want to say before we sign off um, I think that's about it really yeah, just thank you for taking the time to uh, Skype me it's been really awesome it's really cool how technology can do this <laughs> I know, brilliant <laughs> Well, have a yeah. great day. Maybe you need to go back to bed, you know, and for a little bit or whatever. I don't know. Seeing as I'm off, I'm actually going to try and catch the early morning service, the church service here. Brilliant. Good dedication there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Have, have a look at Joe. Joe! <laughs> yeah, that's our special news, our family news this morning. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff, Amanda. We'll say goodbye. Bye. Have an awesome day. Love you. See ya. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Elam Church. For more downloads or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk.